Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you. We thank you that you are our Father, and that you care for us, that you bless us with life, with new life, as your children. And Lord, uh, we fall short every day. And there are certain realities, Lord, that make us realize just how far we fall short. I pray, Lord our God, that you would give grace to all parents who are listening, who have kids that are in their tweens or teens or young adults and who are struggling to know how to parent to their kids regarding use of technology and connection to the internet. Please, Lord, give me the grace to share honestly and hopefully bring insight and some courage into the hearts and minds of those who are listening. Lord, we love you and we want to love you more. We desire to love you better. We desire to have kids that would love you faithfully. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> I had a kind of a touching encounter um, with my son, John Mark. After prayer, uh, we prayed our, our family rosary, and we've tried to give our kids a little bit of space where we haven't imposed the rosary upon our whole family every night, but we pray the rosary every day, and it just happens that um, John Mark is um, at that place in his life right now as a 16-year-old where he is um, eager to fulfill that commitment to pray a daily rosary, which is a beautiful thing. Well, afterwards, we were just kind of hanging out in the kitchen a little bit and talking just for a few minutes before he uh, went off to bed. And uh, he said, you know, Dad, I, I think the biggest gift I received in 2021 was to look at my life in the light of eternity, to have an eternal perspective about my life on earth. And it made me smile. I thought, okay, what a beautiful thing that my, that this son of mine is looking at his life in the light of forever, in the light of where all of this is headed. In other words, when you, when you talk about when you say that, what you're basically saying is that God becomes the center of my life, right? The meaning of my life is found in that place where I see God face to face, where it's that place where God, who is my creator, is also my central relationship, my first relationship. And it's in that relationship where we come to know that we're known. We come to realize that we're known through and through. That's not always an easy thing. Uh, but I was reflecting on that a couple of days ago. I was, uh, I was just praying and, and thinking about the fact that, okay, I've got two kids out of the house, a third child, adult, she's, age, she's 18, um, now off, going off to college, going back for her second semester. And not just being like nostalgic about the idea that, oh, look how fast time has gone, but rather look how how much I know my kids, but there are so many parts of their lives that are hidden from me. Um, I don't mean living a dual life, but I mean that there are secret places in their heart. 
And just thinking, wow, I, I know my kids better than m- almost anybody in the world. And yet, the more that I know them and love them, the more that I talk with them and engage with them, the more I realize that there are just hidden dimensions of their hearts and their minds, their imaginations, their their dreams, their hopes, things that are important to them that that I don't have access to, but God does. And it just brought to mind for me this sense of um, that we're not only created by God, but we're created for God. And that even in the closest relationships that we have, there's a sense of mystery. There's a sense of knowing, but also unknowing. There's a sense of knowing, but a sense of a greater mystery that is not yet known. Um, I was sharing this with Kerry, and she just started laughing. <laughs> she just said, stop. Tom, don't go spinning off into infinity on me here. Uh, she's much more grounded in the practical and the here and now. She's like, okay, that's really good. Can you can you continue those reflections as you uh, fix my dishwasher? <laughs> Like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, you might be right, but look, we still have to uh, put salt on the driveway or the kids are going to slip and someone's going to get hurt, right? It's, uh, it's funny. It's funny maintaining, maintaining the sense of the bigness of everything, the bigness of it all, that we're, we are here created by God out of nothing. He willed in his good pleasure to create us. He has lavished upon us the gift of existence and even more stunningly invited us, apart from our willing it, elevated us into the adopted status of children of God, that we are known by God as as. Uh, as now his children sharing in divine life that is that is life without end that is life that is perfect pure spiritual uncreated life we have a created share in uncreated life how's that you can't really like like the the fathers of the church and the great doctors of the church all use these poetic phrases and turns of phrase to try to get at the mystery that we're we have been invited into we've invited to live and and that's the key, the key to not um, not spinning off into infinity is not remaining aloof, distant, uh, distant from our loving God. If you do that, you'll fall into the trap of feeling like life is a threat, existence is a threat, and instead of immersing yourself in the reality of living, immersing myself in the reality of living where all of a sudden there is a fundamental wonder, a wonder at and an astonishment at this reality called creation. So how's that for a, a welcome to the program, uh, reflecting on the biggest things? And doesn't that, it does kind of put stuff in perspective. It puts stuff in perspective. I was listening to a couple of talks over the weekend uh, these were talks from that. Um, that one point, he was a Franciscan priest. I don't know his whole story. Brennan Manning is his name, but I don't know all the circumstances. But let me say, 
his talks on knowing God as Abba, Father, his talk on trust that Mary Grace and I talked about last Friday, and another talk that I've heard just while I was, I was actually cleaning and getting the garage in order, full disclosure, trying to put things in order and get things organized and cleaned up so it can be a little bit of our mini gym here in our home. Uh, that's that's far too exalted a term, even though it's just three letters, the gym. It's a, it's a mat and it's a treadmill that's, I don't know, at least 15 years old. <laughs> and it's a, it's a little weight bench and a couple other things. Not, not a lot to it. But um, it's, it's intended to be a place that I created at the beginning of this year so that we could work out a bit more. Um, to complement the idea of, okay, how do we eat right and exercise well? So I'm trying to incorporate a little bit different form of exercise. So it was while I was doing all that that I was listening to these talks, trying to make good use of my time, just do something that could inspire me while I was, while I was uh, getting the uh, the garage in order. And isn't that interesting? Because you know, in an earlier time, you maybe would have turned on a radio, or but in an earlier time. Not had any noise, not had any noise other than your own being present to the world around you. Well, the internet's changed all that, right? The internet has enabled us to get access to pretty much anything. I mean, all kinds of stuff, I should say. Audio, video, written form. But today on the program, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, this one final point I want to say about this idea of living. And what is it that paradoxically links us to life with God in a way that would not have us splinter off into infinity and, and consider God a threat, uh, and that is knowing God as Abba, Father, knowing God as our loving Father, and uh, knowing that it, it has pleased the Father to give you the kingdom. One of the points that Brendan Manning makes in, in these couple of talks that I was listening to was that uh, faith in one of its uh, more fundamental definitions is accepting acceptance. Accepting acceptance. And I, I like that. It's, it's sort of a fresh way of getting at the word of trust get, getting uh, or unfolding the, the depth of faith as trust, right? So that's a very, it's a fundamentally Catholic idea, right? That faith, read John Paul II, when he talks, and it's in the Catechism, right? This is not new stuff. That faith is not simply believing truths about God or believing that God exists. It's about trusting, and the deepest center of trust is to entrust, to entrust myself freely, completely, and forever. I mean those things, freely, completely, and forever to God. And to freely entrust myself into God's hands, freely, completely, and forever, means that I have been found acceptable. Because if I'm going to entrust, if I'm going to throw myself into the arms of <clears throat> Abba Father, if I'm going to be like the prodigal son who comes home and throws himself into the arms of the father who comes running to him, right? Luke 15. That's a beautiful parable of describing, of revealing, it's, it's a revealed word of God, 
who is who is our Father in heaven? Who is Abba Father? Um, because the Father who is waiting for the Son to come home is the Father who's waiting for the sinful Son, the Son who has betrayed the Father in every way, who has received an inheritance and squandered it, squandered it in sinful ways, in desperately sinful ways, and in the midst of the 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 darkness, in the midst of the mud, right? In the midst of the the terrible, terrible betrayals, it's in that place that the revelation comes, the light comes. You have a father. You have an Abba Father who is waiting for you to come home to reconcile you to himself because you have been found acceptable. And boy, isn't that a healing? It is such a healing. That, that heals so much in our spiritual lives. It heals our hearts, our minds, our memories, our emotions. It heals so much when we know that we have been found acceptable. We've been accepted. There is a space for you. That is so critical. Because deep down we feel a sense of disgust at ourselves. Because we don't live out our highest ideals. We fall short. We settle for less. We sin. And in doing that, we come into a kind of disgust at our own selves with this sense that if you really knew me, if you really knew who I was, if you really knew what I had done, if you really knew the things that I had thought, the things that I had imagined, the, the secret desires that I have, the, the way that I actually live my life, if you knew the stuff that was hidden, you would be disgusted and re- repelled and you would uh, walk away from me. I would be like the leper. Right? I would be, uh, I would be, isolated and and forced away, um, because of the of that sense of disgust of of who I am, and it's that that can hold us back so much in our relationship with God. And so, faith as realizing or accepting that I've been accepted that I've been welcomed, that I've been found acceptable, just as I am, just as I am, just as I am, like the prodigal son, found acceptable to come home because it's in the relationship that he'll be cleaned, cleansed, purged, renewed, transformed. That's the gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ who reveals that father to us, that daddy, that Abba father. When we realize that's what life is, then all of a sudden, having a focus on eternity as the context for living today, that brings life, that brings joy, that brings hope. And that actually brings me to the theme of the internet, believe it or not, which I'll I'll move around to in just a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So as I mentioned, um, I just started launching into the to the program uh, today because I had a conversation earlier in the day about an upcoming podcast. Carrie and I have been invited to come on and join this couple to talk about parenting kids around the use of the internet. And, and, and that's, you know, parenting kids in this digital age, 
so you, you might have become familiar with some of the terms. Now, some of you hearing this, you might think, well, this isn't that relevant to me. I My kids are out of the house, or I've got grandkids or great-grandkids. Let's just say that this is an issue that touches everybody, because it's not just even parenting kids. And and that was one of the things we, I said, Carrie, we, how much time do we have? I said, well, it's just it's about an hour long. She's like, well, there's so much to cover. What do we cover? And so I... I contacted the fellow who invited us. I said, hey, can we just kind of talk through like a, a framework for this whole reality? And so as I talk about the framework for parenting kids in this digital age, guess who's going to be the front and center in the bullseye to start with? It's going to be you and me. It's going to be us, parents. And that means it's going to be any of you, any of you that have access to the internet. So that's pretty much everybody. So um, it, there will be insights, especially in this first section, around how your use of the internet is so powerfully um, impactful upon your kids or grandkids or on your own relationship with God or your relationship with um, your spouse. And it, and it's it's this is not that it's not complicated to understand, but when you hear it out loud, it is pretty. It's 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 not pretty. It's desperately disturbing, and needs serious attention and action. So, a couple of quick stories. Um, now, let me give you the framework first, and then then I'll give you the story. So, when I talked to this fellow, I said, "Well, here's the framework that I use." I said, "The framework I use. If you're going to talk to parents about the kids' use of the internet, I said you got to understand what's their call as parents." And I said, "Their call is to lead, provide, and protect." And you hear, if you've heard me on Sun Insight, you know. What I mean by this, that parents, we are baptized, and baptized, we're immersed into the life of Christ, priest, prophet, and king, anointed in our baptism. We share in Christ's priestly, kingly, and prophetic ministry. And it's kingly service, we go before, we go out front, we lead. King is the one who's going to be willing to go out in the lead as a service. We're going to go out in front and lead, and we're going to raise up a standard. We're going to show the way, lead the way, point the way, and, and ask that you follow us along the way, and that we know as parents we're supposed to do that. So we are to uphold standards in leading the way. But it also means we're supposed to lead by example. We're supposed to lead, we're supposed to be exemplary. We're supposed to be a model Offer some ideal behaviors. All of a sudden, you're like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, it's going to be a lot easier to uphold standards for the kiddos than it is going to be to apply those standards to our own lives. So as kingly service, we go before. Priestly mediation. We mediate. We go before. We're a go-between. We go before God on behalf of our kids, and we go before our kids on behalf of God, and we minister good things as we walk with them. We're with you. Going to encourage you to keep walking forward, keep moving forward, and give you strength and encouragement. Pray for grace to move forward. And in doing that, we stay in nearness. And still saying in nearness would mean not just providing an example regarding technology, but understanding its dangers and saying, okay, we're going to make sure that you're protected. And so whether it's through software like NetNanny or having Wi-Fi restricted or screen time, uh, content restrictions, right? All those other kinds of things we do to lock down the devices, the computers, the laptops, the video games, the television screens, the, the smartphones, any connected device will have to 
manage. And that's exhausting. Here's what I would say is this, is that any parent who feels like, yeah, I got this, I'm all dialed in, you're living in illusion. It's like any parent who's really striving to live out their, the ideal in terms of helping their kids live this reality, you will come face to face with the fact that you're falling short. If, if not, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> you don't have high enough bar. Uh, you don't really realize what's at stake, um, unless none of your kids are, are that age um, where they have access to, to screens. Because really, from the youngest ages, but especially when you hit the tweens, teens, young adults, and even beyond, uh, beyond college, um, the challenges facing uh, young people today around what they get connected to when they're connected to the internet and screens. It's just enormous. It's just enormous. So I know for Carrie and me, it's one of those places where we feel like we fail. Uh, as much as we are intentional and, and have high ideals and present those and are attentive and alert, we also recognize the gaps. It's just like, my goodness, I'm exhausted trying to keep up. And, and part of that's having a whole bunch of kiddos. So, but that's part of, honestly, part of what is purging and purifying to carry me to, to grow in holiness. Okay, so there's the being with you, that priestly ministry. And then there's the protective ministry, right? The, the prophetic protection. I've got your back. I've got your back and I'm going to protect you from harms and dangers. Physically, yes. Uh, harms and dangers, though, spiritually, uh, intellectually, so from ideas, from ways of seeing things, from things that would undermine, overthrow, uh, confuse your heart, your mind, your by our kids' hearts and minds, their their whole way of looking at life, their attitudes towards things, and to be able to prophetically stand up and say no, wrong, bad, this is not acceptable, this is not accepted, because I want to make sure that you know that you're accepted and acceptable to God. That is. A great challenge. So if you're saying to me, okay, well, let's have a talk about kids and the internet. Well, we have to talk about leading, providing, and protecting our kids. And then, oh, by the way, are we prepared to do this? And being prepared to do this, well, in the theology of preparation that the Catholic Church wonderfully has in her pastoral teaching, there is remote, immediate, and proximate preparation. How about that? So not only do you have to focus on how you are priest, prophet, and king, you have to focus on remote, immediate, and proximate ways of preparing for the battles that rage daily if your kids have access to the internet. And that access can be, again, on a TV screen, often these are smart TVs now, and uh, laptops, uh, iPads, uh, um, uh, handheld devices, video games, smartphones, uh, all of these things, all of these things are points of entry into your kids' hearts and minds and lives. And they have to be monitored and managed. The devices, what these portals will permit to enter into your kids' lives, as well as your kids' own accessing of these things. Are you exhausted yet? So remote preparation... And most of us think of the proximate preparation. That's the day-to-day stuff. Well, my kids turn in their phones, and they've got screen time limitations, and they've got password protection, and, and they've got these other things. And so there's all of that exhaustion just from the day-to-day 
paying attention. But then there's the immediate preparation. And the immediate preparation is knowing each of your kids, because kids are different. And so things that are going to be attractive to one and what kids will be drawn to have that sort of addictive tendency towards games or towards pornography or towards social media platforms or towards just scrolling or or posting things, uh, right? All of know your kid. And I've got different kids. And Carrie and I, it doesn't take us very long to figure out, okay, this kid's going to be drawn to this stuff in a way that this other kid is not. And for this kid, it's going to be much more dangerous to let this daughter or this son go around this kind of um, uh, app application, this kind of app, whether it's on the phone or whether it's on a laptop or a computer or, or uh, again, uh, on the television screen. Uh, know your kids. And then the the remote preparation is how were you brought up? How were you fathered? How were you mothered? How were you parented? How about your spouse? How were they mothered and fathered and parented? How about your married relationship? How, how are you guys in terms of communication around important things? How are you about forming in your kids a whole way of being together as a family that will crowd out the need for reliant uh, re- the need for relying upon videos and TV shows and and other things that will distract and divert and disperse the richness of family life. So, okay, you want to talk about <laughs> the use of smartphones on the internet? Well, you got to understand what it means to lead, provide, and protect your family, and you got to know what it means to have me- uh, proximate, immediate, and um, remote preparation all understood and, and i've even talked about like just the 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 enormity of the ways in which this is not talked about and yet it is so prevalent not talked about and so prevalent i just a, a really quick thing if i just talked about internet pornography briefly um internet pornography briefly so uh quick stories all these stories are within the last year for sure um, and then I can reference a couple of older ones too, but just in the last year, just to understand what le- what the what the level of pervasiveness this is. Uh, I was talking with uh, the head of a seminary, um, and he again. I, I have these guys I studied with who are all over the country. Many of them are bishops. About fifteen or sixteen of them are bishops, but others are in significant roles in dioceses and it's neat to be able to just stay connected with them and I was talking with one of these guys that um, was at the NAC the North American College and and, um, I was talking about um, use of technology the internet and and pornography and I said so what's the difference 15 years ago in the seminary and now because you know it was 15 years ago that the smartphone came out the first iPhone and he said, oh, that's easy. He said, 15 years ago, the basic presupposition that we had about guys coming into the seminary was that they were basically chaste. You know, they, they struggled, but basically chaste, modest, pure, self-controlled, understood the challenge of self-mastery and self-denial. And occasionally, we would encounter a guy who struggled with internet pornography. And um, But the basic presupposition was the guy's chaste and, and striving to be chaste. 
He said, well, flash forward 15 years, and he says, now, the basic presupposition of any guy coming to the seminary is that they have a problem with internet pornography. It is a battle, and they're struggling with it, and they need some serious support to be able to win that battle. And occasionally, we'll encounter a guy come into the seminary who is basically chaste and does not have a problem with internet pornography. Now, you need to hear just how striking that is, because who are these young men that we're talking about? These are not like a random sampling of guys on college campuses. This is not a random sampling of guys who are at public high schools and uh, who are not church going. No, this is these are guys who are Catholic, faith filled, faith filled enough that in their young single years they are discerning seriously a vocation to be a priest. That is that's rare air. I mean, that's like what two percent. 1%. So we're talking about like the best of the best, if you will, in terms of religious adherence and, and faith commitment and serious engagement with regards to faith. And the basic presupposition for these guys is that they have a problem with internet pornography. That If that doesn't stop you in your tracks, I don't know what does. Well, maybe this will. I was talking with a guy who was uh, like a regional director of a mission, a Catholic mission organization that uh, does outreach to uh, college campuses. And he said to me, I asked him, tell me about your formation program. He said, well, one of the things that we do first, right at the very beginning, is that we put these guys through a program to get them to be able to address and be healed from problems with internet pornography. And I'm like, well, that would be really powerful and important, I think, for missionaries who get on the campuses, that the first thing they'll do for these college students that they are going to disciple is to help any of them who come forward to deal with internet problems with internet pornography. And he says, no, 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 that this program isn't for the college students they're ministering to. It's for the missionaries. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, for those who are willing to make a two-year commitment to give their lives to the service of the church to evangelize and disciple young people on college campuses, the basic te- the formation that's required is you have got to go through this program to be healed from and repent from and find freedom from challenges with internet pornography. That, again, is just so striking because you're talking about the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of energized, active, engaged Catholics today. And among them, it is so prevalent that everyone has to go through that program. What is that saying? Last quick story is talking with a a buddy of mine mentioning this. He said, oh, I was talking with a president of a, a Christian college in the Seattle area, and he said that one of the biggest challenges they face is to have, find young men in their colleges willing to step up and to play visible roles on campus, any kind of leadership roles. And when they tried to discover why, it was that these guys are burdened with shame and guilt over the bondage they have to internet pornography, that they feel disqualified. They feel, uh, if you will, um, Uh, unable, they've been disqualified from playing a visible role because of that problem. So, are you discouraged yet? Well, more to come 
Unsound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. So here's the thing. Like I just say those, I just told these three stories. Um, I just told these three stories and uh, about just one, one sliver, one sliver of what the internet brings into kids' lives, which is this trouble being sexually pure because of this exposure to um, the uh, to internet pornography and how it is just enslaving young men today, even young men called to the priesthood, young men called to missionary life, young men who are in Christian colleges and yet un- feeling a, a disqualification from being able to step forward into visible uh, roles of leadership. Well, let's just layer into that. Again, this has nothing to do now if you're a parent, but I've done enough married couples retreats where I know that I, 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 Carrie and I have prayed with enough weeping wives, weeping wives over their husband's use of internet pornography as a deep, deep grief in their marriage, completely unanticipated, unexpected, uh, shocking to them the betrayal of their husbands who have given themselves over to and are now in bondage to internet pornography. Um, you know, it's it's so this is more than just parents who have teens. So you just stop and say, okay, if if this is true, if if guys are struggling that much with internet pornography, these guys who also oh guess what happen to be now husbands and fathers, what strength of conviction will they have raising up a standard for their kids that says no, don't, bad, avoid. Uh, stay away from when they are in bondage to, enslaved to these desires uh, that have led them into darkness and is dissipating, dissipation. So I use that word intentionally. Uh, there's a, a book on spiritual warfare. Um, it's um, it's uh, on it's deliverance prayers for use by the laity, and one of the prayers is a prayer in Latin against evil spirits that would harass, infest, uh, would oppress uh, or obsess uh, oneself or uh, those under one's authority. And we have the ability to pray with the authority to bind and cast away, to deliver, to be delivered from these evil spirits. And the spirits have been given names. So there's certain names for certain spirits that, uh, demons, that, again, harass, oppress, obsess uh, 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 our lives or the lives of, uh, of others, those under our authority that we're going to pray for. And it was so interesting that the spirit of, the spirit of lust and masturbation was named the spirit of luxuria. I want you to hear that. <laughs> luxuria. You think of the word luxury. You think of a, what is a luxury. It's Well, it's a delicacy. But that word luxuria also means it's a dissipation. It's a, it's a waste. It's a dispersing. 
it, it is a it is a an emptying out of like energy of manly courage of manliness it's just emptied in that spirit that spirit harasses it's just like wow there there is a connection that's worth digging into oh by the way this links very closely with the ascent of mount carmel anybody picking up on that anybody noticing that that i I'm talking about these themes that are connected to uh, the ascent of Mount Carmel, St. John of the Cross's great work, where he talks about the enslavement that we experience when these desires of the flesh are holding us in bondage and how we need to be purged of them, cleansed of them. And the the, the the darkness, the aridity, the trials, the sufferings that happen in order to diminish and detach us from these fleshly appetites requires an enormous effort of prayer and penance. Some of you have heard of Exodus 90, that um, effort to help men experience spiritual freedom. I don't know how many of you know, but that effort began in the seminary when a, I don't know if he was a spiritual director or a uh, just sort of a student director, um, would encounter increasingly more and more frequently with increased frequency that the seminarians coming into the seminary had this problem with internet pornography and that it required a tremendous amount of focus and uh, attention in order to help these guys come into freedom. And Exodus 90 um, was a result. Now, Exodus 90 is this uh, commitment where a group of guys come together and commit a certain amount of prayer together, prayer alone, a certain amount of fasting, like fasting from things like no alcohol for 90 days, cold showers, uh, don't use uh, the uh, don't watch television or the internet or only access it as much as needed for the duties of your state in life. Um, other forms of fasting and penance, giving up delicacies, giving up luxuries, giving up softness, choosing the difficult good, choosing hard things, choosing things that would what be very purging. It's going to it's gonna it's gonna be choking the life out of these desires that are leading men into bondage. And so many men have found Exodus 90 to be freeing um, because of this sense of, you know what, it's going to take a serious commitment. If you want the freedom that Christ intends for you, you're going to have to give yourself over to this in a serious way, which is not going to work. And it seems to me that uh, the internet has become such a scourge, a scourge to marriages, a scourge to parenting, and now a scourge to young people's lives because of the lack of engagement, the lack of engagement that parents have regarding the way that they, that the way that too many parents too often are not accompanying, are not vigilant, are not aware of all the stuff that is coming into the lives of their kids 
because they're not monitoring and managing and because of what they are enabling their kids to access on the internet. It, I mean, it, it is literally a constant battle. It is so hard. Um, and again, I, I just think of all the ways I fall short. Like, um, I'm not, I'm not even perfect. Like on my own computer, I use NetNanny. We've used NetNanny for years and yet NetNanny doesn't allow easily, it doesn't allow me easily to access certain things that it classifies as social. So if I'm going to go on to a site to, um, like go on to Facebook or to go on to, uh, to make a post or to even access certain basic functions that I use the internet for, um, it blocks it. Um, and so it's like, okay, let me disable it while I'm on it. And then, okay, let me put it back on now that I'm off of that app and now let me enable it again. It's, it's just, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, I've been very mercifully spared from having a problem with internet pornography. It's by God's mercy to me, not I haven't earned it. It's no merit on my part. I struggle with far worse sins than that. Um, deep spirit, like those are fleshly sins. Those are like animalistic sins. My sins are more demonic, more uh, uh, more spiritual. Uh, and by spiritual, that doesn't mean like... <laughs> <laughs> Even saying this out loud is like almost an example of it. Uh, like I'm proud of my pride. Okay. Now how demonic is that? Right? How dark is that? And somehow to think that it is a, a more exalted sin than the base sins of the flesh. But all right, I'm not going to get myself all twisted up. I'm going to just kind of keep pushing forward here. Um, but my point is that... Um, Parents, um, we just have so little, uh, uh, just easy help to be able to do ongoing management of devices um, in our kids' lives. Um, so, you know, kids figure out passwords. Kids uh, figure out, uh, oh, they take the laptop and they go off to their own room. Even if it's just to watch an innocent movie, the temptation is there, the urge, the little pull is there to go off and look at things that are not appropriate or life-giving. And if we think our kids are not being drawn into that, not being seduced into that, we are just, we are living with such naivete if we think that that's the case. All right, I'm up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to dig into this a little bit further on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. So Carrie and I, we spent um, several years giving talks, uh, sometimes online, like webinars and then courses, and then going around giving talks at parishes. Um, on parenting in the digital age. And I've got, the, 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 the resources are now free. They're, they're free of charge. If you go to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org, you can get them all for free. That's a lot. Uh, seriously, 
Uh, I do that because I want them to do good. So if if these can be a blessing to you, just go to mycatholicfaith.org. You can get the entire video series, the, the 115 PowerPoint slides, pages of PowerPoint slides, um, all kinds of links and other resources. They're just, they're for you. They're meant to be a, of help to you, but they're about five years old. And let me tell you, it's been so much worse in the last five years where uh, Carrie and I, five years ago, we, we were of the mind that said, you know what? Kids can't bury their heads in the sand. Um, what we've got to do is really be good shepherds for our kids, really shepherd them to understand like the challenges they'll face in using the devices. And what we can do is find the right time and the right way to put these devices into the kids' hands and uh, help them just by being good shepherds and being vigilant to be engaged with them so that other they will use them within safe parameters. Otherwise, when they leave the house uh, and they're on their own, they're just going to end up, um, you know, just not having the the kind of shepherding that would have built up in them the virtues to be able to uh, manage this new freedom they have. So I just want to say that Carrie and I are not there anymore. <laughs> we are we are now of the mindset, having lived what we lived in the last five years. Do not give your kids smartphones. Just don't. Just don't do it. I, yeah, I know that sounds crazy. Give them, I like the phrase, wise phones. Give them phones that do not have access to social media applications. Give them phones that can text, that can call, and maybe they need maps. You know, There might be a couple of other little things they need, but it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. And, well, wait a minute, Tom, you just said that, oh, and then, again, regarding other stuff around the house, yeah, a huge degree of vigilance around the kind of protections that you'd have in the house. Okay, but wait a minute, Tom, what about when they leave the house and they go to their friends' houses? Yeah, that's my first thing. You can say you're going to help your kids shepherd shepherd them regarding the use of uh, phones and internet access and connected devices when, when you have them in your home. But you know what? Kids have friends. And when they go over to their friend's house, what is happening in their friend's houses regarding access to the internet, video games? Is it monitored, managed? Is there a degree of vigilance around it? And the answer is presume there isn't. Presume there isn't until you have the conversation and you discover where they're at. Because you'll discover that most parents are not very dialed in. They're just not. And so they're not very vigilant around this. Um, but the ideal scenario is that you have you have your kids around other kids that are being raised like your kids who have engaged parents who are aware and who are being as vigilant or more vigilant than your kids are. That's why our kids go to the Oaks. We want our kids to be around kids who are not being brought up in such a way that their default setting when they're in their homes or in their cars or before or after school, they're just immediately on their smartphones, on social media apps, on video games, uh, losing themselves in uh, internet use. This is not what you want for your kids. But no matter how hard you try with your own kids, as soon as they go out the door, their peers are going to be such an influence that all it takes is having a peer who has unfettered, unlimited access to the internet. And you know what? Filth enters your kid's life. It just does. 
It just does. So all of a sudden now you need not only to have your kids dialed in, you need to have your kids' friends dialed in. And that means your kids' friends' parents have to be dialed in. If your kids' friends are not Christian, faith-filled, intentional, living their faith, presume, presume that they struggle with internet pornography. That's the default setting. If your daughter brings home a guy who's a nice guy but not practicing his faith, he's a nice guy who's not practicing his faith, who is very likely struggling with internet pornography. That's the presumption. It just is. Doesn't that sound harsh? But, but, you know, this is harshness is kindness. And so, uh, what a challenge. So, now you need not just your own kids and your kids' friends and your kids' friends' parents. You need a whole school community that is joined in on a serious engagement of limiting access and use of smartphones and other connected devices during the school day and on the school campus. That's why our kids go to the Oaks. you got to find schools that are willing to engage at that level. And a lot of parents just aren't. They just don't get it. Or they themselves are also bound up. They're bound up and they're embarrassed and ashamed and they feel powerless. They feel impotent to do anything about it. This is a nightmare. And it's getting worse. Because these poor kids are handed devices when they reach adolescence. Adolescence is a time where it dawns on their own minds that they're created in, in the image they're created for a relationship that is more than just the safe comfort of their own family. It's, it's ultimately for God. But if they're not uh, formed to understand that ache that emerges in their hearts, what are they going to do? They're going to seek to fill that ache in relationships with their peers. Where are their kids spending a lot of their time? Online. And if they feel anxiety and depression, if they feel stress and pressure to become liked, to get friends, to follow and be followed after, all of a sudden now the pressures are immense. Oh, and by the way, this is also the emergence of the sexual urge in these kids' lives, which emerges in not a pure way. There's a brokenness to the sexual urge that arises in these kids. Well, what happens when these kids, they feel awkward, they don't know how to belong, they don't fit in, they, they, they don't feel good, they don't feel right in, in their own skin? Well, guess what? then that gets interpreted for them according to gender ideology as a sense of saying, you know what, maybe your problem is that you're not the gender that you were assigned at birth. Maybe that's what's happening and maybe you ought to explore that and maybe that will be a way for you to fit in and to belong. There are so many lies. There is so much darkness. There is so much bondage around these messages that are seductively, pervasively, and, um, and, 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 and in a way that is, um, uh, is a way that is also, um, uh, not the word threatening, but it's coming at you with a sense of saying, good luck trying to um, put forward a simple, clean statement that says, you created the image of God, and you created for a relationship with God. And as you reach uh, the age of being a young adult in adolescence, you're going to experience this ache in your heart. And when you experience it, it's a sign that you're made for a relationship with the Lord. 
By the way, you're also going to start growing in a sense of sexual awareness, that you have a sexual identity, that God made you male and female. And there's something beautiful about that. But that desire, that urge that you experience within you is like many other urges. If you just give, if you just give, it, uh, give it permission to be expressed, it's going to lead to dissipation. It's going to lead to a sense of darkness. It's not going to lead to life. So you're going to learn self-mastery. You're going to learn that your rational appetite, your reason, ought to be able to rule your emotions and that those feelings that you experience, God will grace you. God will grace you with what you need not to give in to those emotions and those appetites and those desires. And when you do fall, you can repent and the Lord can bring you healing and strength. Go to confession, gain the sacraments, go meet Jesus in the Eucharist and there he will meet your deepest hungers and you'll begin to yearn for him. So there's so many simple but profound messages that ought to be presented to our kids today as Catholic Christian disciples of Jesus Christ. And these are the truths that will help set them free. But if they're hanging around with kids that are not in homes that are marked by faith, then all of a sudden, these way, this way of looking at the world, this way of looking at and seeing things like pornography, things like masturbation, things like sexual purity, things like uh, modesty, uh, things like chastity, these things are going to differ. And, and they're going to differ in ways that will lead kids into darkness into spiritual bondage. That's not life-giving. We parents are called to do something more and better. There's so much more to say about this because of the ways that we, parents, adults, have been desensitized to sex and violence, sexualized relationships, to being propagandized in almost any movie or show today around what normal, healthy relationships are meant to be, what normal, healthy Catholics and Christians are like, and how faith can help set us free. Good luck finding those kinds of images and, and visions of, of marriage, of life, of being a young man and a young woman. The battles are so enormous. And what do we do when these kids reach this, this age of adolescence? Yeah, just give them a phone. Give them a phone where they can access all this world of, of filth that will undo, undermine, disrupt, and lead into spiritual bondage, darkness and shame, darkness and depression, anxiety, self-harm for so many of these kids. We've got to do something better. We've got to battle and fight. All right, I'm up against the end of my program. God's blessings on your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.